Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 268. Uh, joining us this week, Kate Riley from Maiden Utica is here to talk about uh, the return of Maiden Utica events to Handshake City uh, starting this weekend with a few uh, new events coming up. We'll talk all about that and so much more. Always happy to have Kate on the show. Also this week, we'll spend some time talking about the explosion in Beirut and uh, just the fallout from what's been going on with that, about New York schools reopening. Uh, we'll talk about the Jonathan Swan Trump interview. We'll talk about TikTok. We'll f- talk about performative masculinity, history lessons, uh, e-bikes, whatever that is. Uh, all of this, folks, and so much more. Uh, as always, folks, uh, we are happy to have you here for another episode of the Ucast. is rolling. Spools are spinning. Uh, so this is a real, just a little nuanced take I noticed today when I was, um, I was making lunch. I was making mm. yeah, yeah. the sausages, sure. the, the dogs. And I put the mayonnaise, sorry, not mayonnaise, the mustard and the hot sauce and the ketchup on the table when I was prepping everything, mm. right? So I'm getting everything ready. And as I went to touch the hot sauce and the ketchup, they've been out for like two minutes. Mm. They had that thick outer, like, like moisture. Condensation. And the condensation, condensation was so bad. It was like, it's only been out of here for like 40 seconds. It's humid out. They went in the fridge. Uh, it's wicked humid. It's, it's weird. It's not even like the hottest day it's been lately. It just mm. feels super thick. The air yeah. is thick. It's very humid out today. Uh, welcome back, folks. This is the Uticast, as you are aware, because you're here and you made it through the intro. As always, Kevin Sullivan here, joining mm. me. Yes, I am. Drinking hot coffee on a hot day, which is very rare for you. Every once in a while. I wanted coffee. I didn't have any cold coffee. I'm not going to make a cup of hot coffee and put an ice cube in it like a goon. Can't Which is the worst. I used to do that when I was an idiot. It doesn't like, work oh, right. It doesn't work. It just makes the coffee work. all sour and weird. <laughs> um, uh, the heat is real there, folks. Uh, this week, someone from Maiden Utica is coming. I think it's Justin or Kate. Unsure. Mm. One of them is coming in. Talk about all the stuff going on at Maiden Utica this yeah, weekend and going forward. some stuff in at the end of the season there. We're back, baby. Sort of. It's hard to say you're back because no, didn't... nobody's back. But nobody's back. Trying to do a couple little things. As back as at we're... least come down and see some of the, a lot of the hard work that's been done. It looks really cool down there. I gotta say, yeah. And I, I, Justin has been doing a real great job in terms of he's been down there a lot, like a lot, a lot. I've not seen him around the house, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. He's, sure, it's not a good. It, it is a thing. He's down in the park a lot, and he's been doing a lot of good work. And I'm, I'm looking forward to people getting a chance to see what's been going on down there. Mm. It's not been nothing. So. We'll uh, we'll get into that with, she's with somebody, <laughs> somebody from somebody will be here at some point. I'm getting the impression that this is one of those scenarios where uh, Mr. Parkinson volunteered Katie to do this before speaking to Katie, before speaking Correct. with her or asking her. So Correct. Katie's a good sport. Mm-hmm. So sh- there's a good chance that she'll be here. I'm almost sure she'll be here. Mm-hmm. If not, I guess Justin will be here. We'll see. I don't know. Mm. Either way, I'm going to try and keep the interviews short. I think like the last few weeks have been long, and I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm struggling to come up with lots and lots of content. We talked about it last week. Mm. 
Uh, it is a bit of it again, a bit of a downer week. It's <laughs> every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's been. Uh, but before we dig into the the muck and wade our way into the the sludge, uh, Kev, how's your week been? How's everything going for you? Otherwise, can't complain. You had a wedding this weekend. You had to go to. Yes. How was that? Uh, it was it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. You know, weird vibes, different times. Certainly not like weddings. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, masks. Well, that's kind of what I was gonna ask. Like, you masks I mean? to the wedding, but, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of outside space, a lot of a lot of space for people to be there far away from each other. You know, this, that, and the other thing. Um, but it was definitely, you know, you couldn't help but notice. Obviously, the giant reduction. You know, down to just like necessary people that really got to be there. A lot of people just can't make it. You know what I mean? Um, just a different, different subdued vibe, but. It was nice to see, you know, the couple uh, really happy together, really been going after for a long time, so nice to see them, you know, go and join together and whatnot. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before you left, but it's one of the things that, there's nothing, nothing to be done about it, happens every wedding I go to in the summer. Mm. It's tough wearing that suit. <laughs> When, oh, it's, yeah. when it's like 80 degrees outside, oh, yeah. oh, you're yeah. sweating through that double. Yeah. Because here's the thing, and it's not a, you know, ladies, let me know if I'm, I'm wrong here. You know, when a, when a woman goes to a wedding, there's lots of different outfits she can wear. It's like mm. Dress, skirt, sundress, whatever it is. Ladies, tell me all the different outfits you've come up with. I want to know. Dress, sure. Lots Dress. of different style. For men, yeah. it's really just the suit. Yeah. There's really no other, like... No. There's no way to... You can cash it up if you want. If it's like that kind of thing and you want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Or you can try to make like, your stand on, oh, I don't wear a suit I don't wear island. A suit. Which is like a lonely <laughs> place as you get older. Right? You don't have a lot of like, oh, I don't wear a suit. Oh, I never put on ties. It's like, ah, come on, man. And here's the thing, right? Come on. So even if you don't want to... These people wear, paid somebody to take pictures of you. Even if you don't... I used to be this guy. Even if you don't want to wear the jacket, what you can't do is do what I used to do, Jacket's which is... the best part. Which is wear the tie and the dress shirt and then roll the sleeves up to like three quarters length. Which is not... You get there. You Within 90 minutes of being at the wedding, you're there. <laughs> You'll get there. You're there. You <laughs> just got to show up in the jacket. <laughs> You gotta show up in the jacket. jacket. You got the jacket has to make it with you to the dinner table. <laughs> Once you sit for dinner, you take off the jacket. It's never gonna come back on. I had a, a targeted ad that was presented to me this week. Uh, it was for a hooded sweatshirt mm. that you can turn into like one of those little backpacks that people break all the time. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Those little like. What are you gonna do with that? So in case you take your sweater off, and I got you. I'm saying, what are you gonna do with that? Nothing. I just saw it. And you think mm. that you could do that with a suit jacket? You can get a suit. That inside you can convert it into a little backpack. You ruin your suit. <laughs> well, I mean, what's your suit made out of? I don't know. <laughs> you get your suit out of a ski ball machine. <laughs> <laughs> it could be all wrinkled. You got to take it to the dry cleaner. You're stretching all right. out your fine linen. What about vest with no jacket? Could you do? No, you that's gotta, not you a look have anymore. to have the jacket. No, I wore the vest. Remember, I I like to throw vest under jacket and go three piece. So I have the vest for when the jacket comes off. But you can't show up with just a vest because then it makes people think you don't have the jacket. I am. You gotta have the jacket, even if nobody wants the jacket. You gotta have the jacket. I want to say the last wedding I went to, mm. I went black dress shirt, mm. black jacket, mm. black pants, mm. black shoes, no tie. <laughs> wasn't that like the? Wasn't that the official uniform of the wedding though? Like, I wasn't everybody remember. supposed to go in all black? I don't remember. Like a bird farm in Woodstock. That was a different wedding. Mm. It's a different one. I, I think that, okay, this is something I've noticed as I get older, and this is just me being anal. I noticed it with t-shirts. I struggle mm. to have stuff around my throat, mm. whether it's a tie, 
It's a crew neck t-shirt. We were ruined by V-necks. I've been ruined by... We were ruined so, by V-necks. I'm so free. A little by, restrictive, yeah. It's a little restrictive. I always keep the top button undone when I keep the tie. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's a move from like yeah. having to wear a tie yeah. to high school and everything like that. I'll tell you what I do stray away from, though, is the black button down. Can't do it. You want to know why? Waiting worked, tables? I've worked in too many yeah. restaurants. I think if you I've go... I've been in too many restaurants to have the black button down. I'm leaning into the full Italian all-black suit. Black. Oh, we don't have enough of those guys around town. Leaning into it. As I nice. You don't see enough of those folks at Utica Wedding, so I'm glad somebody's going to lead into the Italian thing. All black, perhaps with a white tie? Never. Never that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not edgy enough for that. I'm more subtle. All black. Mm. I would go with a black tie with an all black shirt and black suit. Like that's, mm. I'm fine with that. Man in black. So you're basically you're just going to try to dress like, uh, what's his name, Justin Throw from The Leftovers. The all time. the time. I'm going to join that's the cops so I can wear that outfit. Um... Okay, so uh, as I said last week, uh, I've started calling this first segment Quick Hit. Just weird stuff that I've been sort of obsessed with or caught up with this week. A couple things. Okay, hit me quickly. Uh, the Krypton Factor. Mm. Which is you love this show. I'm impressed you, with it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I just want people to, to take a look at it <laughs> and let me know what you think. It's... I don't know how you... You sort of described it as, like, double dare for adults. Yeah, not really. Like, when you were saying that it's, like, it's it's mental and physical, that was, like, my first knee-jerk. Upon watching the show, I don't feel that way about okay. it, no. Okay, okay. It's sort of like a competition. It's an old English television show you can find. From, like, YouTube. the 80s and 90s, too. So, like, yeah. weird. Weird. It goes all the way back to the 80s, all the way up through the 2000s. I think it's current. Now there's a current version of it now. It's, it's big in England, apparently. Mm. I've been watching it on YouTube. It's a pretty interesting show. I find that it's it's like a mix of physical challenges as well as like mental challenges. I feel like if you've seen it once, you've seen it all. Well, yeah, that's any game show, isn't it? I suppose. Except it, Price it, it is doesn't right. feel competitive because everybody's so somnambulant, just like asleep at the wheel. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's English. Yeah, they're all mopes. They're like <laughs> English dudes from the '80s, and so everything's like dry and dour, and they're like. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the other one, uh, DraftKings, following up from last week. Uh, so I'm back mm. into gambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, leaning... Belly flop back into the world of <laughs> online sports gambling. <laughs> Just leaned hard into gambling since last we saw, well, last we spoke. Uh, and when I say leaned hard into gambling, I mean of the $50 that I had sitting on this account, mm. I have, uh, I think, 23 of them left. Oh my gosh, you renegade. <laughs> renegade. All $27 I lost. Down the drain. A combination of golf. Uh, no, uh, soccer and NBA basketball over the mm-hmm. last four days. Here's what I realized, though, after a couple of days of it. I don't pay enough attention anymore. Like, even with the money on it, it's not enough money where I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this whole PGA championship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, just you fine. put the bet down, you're like, I'll let me know later. Find out what happened if I want. It'll be a nice surprise later. Yeah. Uh, so I think gambling is back. Um, Gambling's back on the menu. Gambling back, but just temporarily. Mm. And uh, so $23 left. Until the $23 are gone. Because like, I don't feel like I want to put money back on. No, there. I don't I feel believe like I'm, This house money makes it a little more fun. Maybe yeah. It's not even really house money. It's mm-hmm. money I forgot I had. Sure. Which I guess is house money. Uh, I sort of touched on it earlier. Uh, I need to chill out with the targeted advertising. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened over the last month that I've been sitting around, mm-hmm. they've really honed in on my algorithm. Oh, yeah, 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 they'll get you. <laughs> they got me. They'll get you. With some stuff on mm-hmm. the targeted advertising. Uh, I've noticed, though, it's a lot, I'm getting a lot of t-shirts now. A lot of, mm. like, essentially any sort of wrestling or soccer mm. t-shirt that exists. That makes sense. I'm getting sent at me. Because it feels like the return rate is, like, 30%. If you throw 10 mm. soccer advertisements at me for, like, soccer jerseys or t-shirts on mm. sale... I'd say they get 30%. I'm at least clicking through. 
I'm, I'm taking a look for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think they really leaned into the targeting ads since we've all been in quarantine. <laughs> I think they have more time. Uh, and then uh, scuba diving. I've been obsessed with scuba diving this week. You haven't been on a big scuba diving kit. Terrified. I've been able to get you out of the water. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I really just can't imagine... There's just too many things that can go wrong. That's what we were talking about when we watched the video. I just don't want... I don't want to be. A I like how your your big scuba diving kick is actually a big kick on the fact of realizing you have no interest in scuba diving. I, For you, I think here's the thing: I kind of am interested in it. Mm. Though. It's the same way that like a like a horror movie, like you're repelled by it, but you're ah, also see, like, oh, yeah, like yeah, I'm terrified, but it, mm-hmm. it's I'm not. The call of the Cthulhu. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> the mountains of madness. Yeah, the uh, clarion call. Uh... It's horrifying, but much like anything else, right? If you're scared of something. Mm isn't the move to just like if i'm scared of the water which i sort of am maybe just dive dive right in mm-hmm. right maybe that's the move maybe it will help me i feel like there's so the th- well the thing is right when you watch a lot of like because i've seen you you've been watching like these you know scuba diving like encounter videos <laughs> right. on youtube and that's like the most extreme i feel like a lot of scuba diving is just like folks on vacation on yeah. like a little boat and a little reef like you know, two pina coladas deep, just like sort of out there enjoying the sun. Um, that's that's to- that type of scuba diving sounds fine, but these people down in like caves, yeah, and going oh, after God. like great whites uh, and hammerheads. That's it's not the, really for me. The cave diving is really something. Never, that just, never, oh, man. never for me. I'm not even totally in love with the idea of like scuba diving near a reef, like in a tropical thing. Because you go, I'm not trying to get bit by like an eel. No, you're not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not fair. trying to. Like, there's just a lot of variables that you... Scuba diving, for me, much like a lot of other things, I'm like, all right, so I'd say I show up at the scuba diving headquarters. Show me the suit that goes over my shoulders and reaches all the way down underneath my legs and fits properly. Well, like a diving show suit. Show me a suit for a tall enough person. Right, I okay, see. Okay, now give me a mask that comfortably fits on my head, not like a regular-sized person's head. You know what I mean? All this stuff. I would like... Scuba diving's not for me. I would like... I'll ride the boat. What about like a diving suit like from Bioshock or like from like the olden that's, times? No, that seems like a horrible prison. That's <laughs> one of those big because, over the head because all it takes is one of those rusty like brass <laughs> little is... like valves to break, and then this giant uh, suit that weighs two hundred pounds fills with water in ten seconds. Now, uh, and finally, very 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 finally, uh, I got caught up on a kick today watching a YouTube channel about depressing kids films. Uh, just mm. really. Like downer. You're having yourself a Monday. It was just I was, I was all I over it. today. Uh, and it got me thinking. You know, there weren't like films that I remember as a kid that like scared me. I guess Dumbo I've talked about in the past has that one sequence. Yeah, there was stuff when I was like, I mean, I remember like when you're three. Yeah, I don't remember, but I have like vague tribal memories of like being weirded out by something. We are gonna have a conversation later on about R-rated movies in the history section but i just i wanted to throw this out here this was a list i found of 13 of the more sad and shocking kids movies from when we were growing up mm. uh, i don't know if any of these hit you in any particular way mm. the iron giant 1999 uh too late for me i didn't see it everyone loves that movie yeah too late for me apparently the new version of pete's dragon that came out in 2016 which i didn't know was a thing i don't know anything about pete's dragon uh et i did cry during et as a kid saw it when i was a child i don't remember it though toy story 3 is is built and designed to make people sad. I think I've only seen the first Toy Story. Oh my god. Toy Story 3 is definitely a, yeah. a worthwhile movie. That's what I hear. As is Inside Out, which is a, a solid flick I've seen with my... I've heard that one's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's 
not meant for kids, I feel. A lot of these movies are not meant for children, it feels like. They're, like, meant for adults who are remembering childhood. This one got me. 1984 is the never-ending story, uh, particularly mm. uh, when Artax the horse gets sucked into the swamps, mm. uh, and Atreyu's trying to pull the horse out, and he's like, no, come out of the thing! And it's really depressing. I remember not really liking that movie when I was a kid. It's Not, yeah. like, from being, like, scared or weirded out from just, like, this is dumb, I don't like this. I hate it. It's a little too fantastical for me. Same kind of thing, like mythical dragon guy missed me with all that. I liked that when I was a kid. Nah. That movie made me like scared and upset though. Oh no. Like it's just like the that. imagery was very unsettling. Mm. And there's the big giant scary wolf and the rock man and the turtle man and all it's just it's a lot of shit for a little kid. Hmm. Uh Transformers movie from nineteen eighty six sounds weird, the cartoon, but no joke, like all your favorite Transformers characters from the kid show when you were growing up get viciously murdered in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Spoiler alert. Mm. And the reason why is because they were trying to push the new line of Transformers action figures. Mm. They wanted kids to buy the new characters, so they had to kill off Optimus Prime and, and everyone's favorites. Right. Which is really brutal to watch in hindsight. Huh. Uh, the Last Unicorn, 1982, I rented it a million times now as a kid. Land Before Time. That I movie. remember that. It's a tough one. Up? People say up is tough. I've never it's actually a sad thing at the beginning. Like it's sad. Yeah, old folk. Like life goes on and folks die. It's very sad. Uh, but relax. In the beginning's very. I think it's very poignant when I've watched sure. the beginning part. Yeah. Uh, old Yeller, nineteen fifty-seven. I mean, they shoot the dog at the end. It's always tough. Mm. Uh, Bambi, and of course, The Lion King. Mm. Any of those affect you in any particular way? Growing up, um, I feel like maybe when I was a really little kid, maybe like Bambi or something. Yeah, it vaguely rings a bell, but I was never no, I was never really put off by movies too much. It's never been a yeah, it's a thing for me. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit later on about like violence in movies because uh, I have a we'll talk about R-rated movies later on in the history lessons. Uh, but instead of talking about uh, stuff that's been going on in my head, uh, let's talk about stuff that's been going on out in the world because it has been a strange week out mm. there in the world. And let's start with the uh, the explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, which. You know, you brought this up to me when it happened. You know, a, a lot of times if something had happened like this in the past, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, whatever it was, some, like, major disaster, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have so much footage of it. The sheer number of footage, like, mm-hmm. amount of footage and the and the way people have looked at it afterwards and the photos, and mm-hmm. it is really, really incredibly jarring stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine... I just can't imagine how you would go on with life Right, like we, we're sort of struggling with like the pandemic and how life goes back to reality here and mm. where we live, right? But how do you go back to... There is no back. Yeah. There's never any back. Yeah. Anytime anybody's ever talking about going back, understand you're talking yeah. to somebody who probably doesn't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, there's never going back from trauma. You, can, you're, you live in a post-trauma world and you go on instead of going back because you have no other choice. You know what I mean? It sounds it sounds really simple, but when you wade through all of it and you go through it and you pile through the, the mountains and mountains of it and walk that road, it really is that simple at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff feels like it's changing very rapidly in Lebanon. What's going on right now? Uh, the in, the entire government... Most well, people are mad as hell because yeah. it's the government's fault. Yeah, the... Every, like, the it was just like incompetence and being dumb. Yeah, for folks who don't know, the government allowed nearly 3,000 tons of explosive substance to remain in a warehouse near the port for six years up mm-hmm. until it detonated, which is why I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people who want this to be like a conspiracy theory. Oh, you, well, that's, yeah, shout out to, shout out, we're doing that part right now, shout out to every single moron. Uh, 
Yeah, but this capital is, M moron. But this is actually this feels much more terrible and insidious to me than any sort of conspiracy. This is Just, why people come up with conspiracies. Yeah, this right here is why people come up with conspiracies yeah. because people because it's terrifying to think the world could be so. The idea that nobody's in control and everything is is disorganized chaos is really scary for a lot of people. So they have to come up with conspiracy theories. I mean, you saw so many people, nuclear experts all over Twitter and Facebook, like, that was definitely a nuclear blast and there's no question this was an attack of the animals that did this rot. I saw so much of that instantly and, like, it's just... Oh... I mean, it's just not, you know what I mean? And, and thankfully it's not, but like to even, I'll jump first. I just I found that to be really frustrating. I'm yeah. a little bit, but. No, I mean, I, I think you're totally right. Like, I think it's, well, first off, like, I, I find it disingenuous to see people, like, arguing about it over here. It's like, yo, let's not argue about this right here. Like, yo, There's literally nothing to argue about. There's nothing to argue either. about. Like, people's lives are impacted. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the important aspect of it here. And again, there's really no government there at the moment. Until a new government can be formed, they're led by a caretaker government, which mm-hmm. can't propose laws. Uh, or execute any measures. Well, that's the trick. I mean, I'm not sure how far you're trying to dig into Lebanon here, but, like, you know, they Lebanon was already having a very, very tough mm-hmm. time. The country was already yeah. struggling quite a bit. Um, this explosion left, you know, over 300,000 people homeless. It destroyed, I believe, a couple of very large grain silos that were holding a lot of yeah. the food that's going to get these people, you know, that's supposed to be feeding people. And a lot of that food is gone now. Um, they're already having a really tough time with the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, so it's going to be really, you know, just another another country out there towards the Middle East is going to be having a really tough time for indefinitely. It's also been less than a year since they've already had a push, a mass protest against government mm-hmm. corruption and austerity measures going from last October. So again, mm-hmm. this is already something that was bubbling up and this just made it mm-hmm. so much worse. Again, the scenes are really horrifying, just really, really terrible. I feel for all the people out there just trying to pick up the pieces of what's left. Just really, really horrifying stuff. Um, I'm sure we'll hear more about this stuff in the news this week, but mm. um, death toll is like 200, uh, and I'm sure that number will go up. Again, we were talking about so much like, drone footage and footage of this. I'm shocked mm. by how much of it exists. I'm not shocked. It's just odd that... To oh, see we can so just do. We can do the. Uh, we can just do the the idiot mantra of well, yeah. Who cares if three hundred thousand people are homeless? Only two hundred died. The death rate's low. Who cares about it's, this explosion? If we weren't the death rate's low, especially if we weren't testing for explosions. Yeah, right. It's they're uh, probably testing for explosions. Is the reason they were testing for homes. Is the reason three hundred thousand people are homeless. Uh, so Jesus. let's talk about some things that are remaining closed here on our front and some things that are remaining open. Oh my God, close it all. Uh, first <laughs> off, people are. Really mad, really mad because New York State gyms remain closed indefinitely mm. <laughs> during the pandemic. I've seen a lot of videos. Of, I saw a guy breaking into his own gym that he mm. owned, which feels like a mistake. Like you have the keys, why'd mm. you kick the door in to get into your own place? And that's a, that's a guy who did felony jail time for assault as well previously <laughs> before he got that gym. So this feels like something. First off, a lot of people I know who like work out and do like gym stuff seem to be able to do that stuff at their own pace if they want to like for the most part they a bit yeah not not really if you like lift or anything if you no. lift or something i suppose because you, know, you, need, you need to have access to the, the stuff huh. people are mad gyms though not open yet you know it is back open though schools <laughs> guys we're back new york schools can open uh according to governor cuomo although to be fair people are jumping all over this uh there's a lot more to it than just like schools can open like go back to it i know you know aaron was on last week or two weeks ago and we talked a bit about like what the protocol is for having to reopen. It's going to be a mess. Uh, schools across New York State can open uh, for in-person instruction, as Paul uh, Cuomo said on Friday. Uh, 
just a few months after the global epidemic. However, it does not guarantee that uh, school buildings in the states, more than 700 districts, will actually open in the coming weeks. It's actually up to local politicians and superintendents to decide whether to reopen. Uh, This comes on the heels of... You know, in Georgia, they just found out that it was like 97,000 kids reportedly tested positive for coronavirus in the last two weeks as schools geared up for instruction. Mm. So you're seeing that happening concurrently. Uh, And there's a report out of Georgia about a teen who sent pictures of her packed uh, hallway. Mm. Uh, It went viral, and now she's getting death threats from people because she sent a picture uh, showing her packed school hallways. Well, also, I mean, she was suspended by the school administration. For doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like the... Yeah, I mean, it's... there's Here's the thing. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to, like, monitor this stuff effectively. No. Right? Like, even schools... It's fantasy land. Even schools that are opening in good faith. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that all these schools are opening in bad faith. I know a lot of people, you know... A lot of teachers want to get back to work. A lot of teachers, you know, need feel like they're ready to go back. I mean, New York State's numbers are down. There's arguments people are making, right? I get it. Um, I just don't think there's any way to really to really look at all the variables and be really safe in any real way until there's some sort of vaccine, right? Like, I feel like that's... I mean, or until we just do a lockdown and, like, flatten that curve and get a hold of the thing, yeah. which we still haven't really done yeah. at all, you know? Because even when you get a vaccine, it's not just we got a vaccine and we're done. That's not the way... Yeah. Oh. So, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. Like, I just can't imagine that even for all the schools who are going to go through every measure, every step to make sure they're opening correctly and doing social distancing measures and, mm-hmm. like, not every school is going to do that. Not every teaching. No. It's and just, they'll just close. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, really, like, ready for schools to be reopened. And I know that this Cuomo, uh, you know, announcement, people were, like, excited for it. No, like, people in my family, people with kids are excited about it. But... I would pump the brakes on assuming mm. that just because this is a thing that can happen, mm-hmm. that it is immediately going to or happen. Or even if it does happen, for how long? For how long? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, speaking of COVID, uh, Fly Emirates, the international uh, airline, put out a really poorly thought out uh, marketing plan. If you fly on Fly Emirates and you die from COVID... They will pay for your medical expenses, quarantine costs, and funeral costs. I'm very kind of them. <laughs> it seems super like it seems way too snarky. I don't know. I don't know why you would do this. Like, what do you, do you feel like it's going to make people feel better? Like people are talking about them. I suppose. I just feel like are you going to get people who are going to fly on there hoping to get COVID? Anybody now? who's going and flying and doing that right now is an asshole in the first place. <laughs> So they know. Like, that's marketing for assholes. You know what I mean? So they don't care. Uh, no, it's true. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, if you if you want to tempt fate and fly in an airplane, I guess do it on Fly Emirates because they'll pay for you to uh, to get COVID and die, apparently. So good for them. They support so- a lot of soccer teams. i gotta, I got to make some arguments about that. Uh. All right, what else we got going on? Um, did you see there was a Back the Blue rally in Whitesboro earlier this week? To- uh, I had heard, yeah. Uh, to coincide with the big giant uh, Back the Blue mural that got painted uh, last week that people were dogging on on the internet because it doesn't look very good. They painted one of Whitesboro? No, 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 but the big national one. Like, I saw oh, people talking that about thing. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw the Whitesboro one. I mean, I don't really want to give that too much thought. Like, nope. I guess it's fine. Sure. Nope. I did know an uh, interesting thing about the, the Tampa Back the Blue mural they built, though. Mm-hmm. 
did you know that apparently they did not have a permit to paint out in front of the police station? Of course they didn't. So technically, it might get taken down because the police did not have the proper permits to put this mm. up. Which feels like an oversight, but that's what you get for doing stuff instinctively. Uh, do you... I guess we're getting toward the end here. I guess we can get into the Trump stuff this week. Mm. I mean, I guess the biggest thing I feel like a lot of people talked about this week was the Early in the week was the interview that Trump had with Axios' Jonathan Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to dig too far into all this because people have watched every clip and seen every highlight. You should watch the whole thing instead yeah. of the clips and the highlights, by the yeah. way, for anybody who saw the clips and the highlights. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's worth it. It's really good. And it's on YouTube. It's like 37 minutes. It's really not that long. Yeah. And um, But it's just an interesting interview, and we talk about it all the time. Every time Trump goes on like Fox News or some like softball thing where they just sort of pander to like... Mr. Trump, do you think you're the best president mm. or the very best president? He still looks like an asshole. He still does, right? Mm-hmm. But to watch a guy uh, who was not super well-liked, like the, Jonathan Swan from Axios was not like everyone's favorite journalist before this happened. He yeah, was, no, I mean, it shouldn't be like liked journalists, yeah. right? Because journalism is not a popularity contest and it's not entertainment. This guy right. just did journalism. Americans are shocked because they never see yeah. it. But even a guy who was, you know, for all intents and purposes, was not like, even like some, wasn't like, I'm trying to think of some big time like political pundit who would have mm. interviewed him otherwise right? but all he did was ask a secondary question on almost everything Trump yeah, yeah. said and he also like kept setting him up which is really impressive like he kept like buttering Trump up into these little like he'd tell him like something nice right and then hit him with something different and Trump didn't know what to do mm. it was really it was wild to watch somebody who just asked questions and like looked at stuff and said, I don't think this is right, watching the president squirm was very strange. It, it's, I, yeah, I don't know, I guess it's just strange. It's sad that it's taken this long for anybody to do that in any capacity, really, whatsoever. And I, know yeah. he, I know he's been hiding and not really sitting for interviews with anybody. I'm surprised they let this one happen. Well, that was my question for you. Why does it feel, it feels weird that they let it happen, because even the whole interview, it feels like is set up to make him look, it's like filmed like The Office. They keep cutting back to like reaction shots of Jonathan, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan, and like zooming in on all the the files in Trump's hand. Like, it's framed in like a way too. Mm. It's it's. I'm surprised they let him do it. I really am. Uh, and then he immediately went and did like an interview at like Fox News the next day. He was like an like, asshole there too. <laughs> uh, the interview is definitely worth watching though. Yes. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch the whole thing. And I just wish again, I just would like to see as we get closer to the election, I'd like to see more. Journalists just give real pushback, not just to him, but to any politician when you're talking to them. Like, not just glad hand answers, right? Like, ask questions, and if it doesn't make sense, ask why they said something. Or well, what. yeah, they don't. That's you, they don't have really have the opportunity if he won't really appear, right? You know no, what I mean? Because sure. he even after that, he stormed off. What yesterday? He stormed off when getting pressed online about the Veterans' Choice mm-hmm. that Obama signed in um, into law in 2014. That he keeps taking credit for. Uh, one of the female reporters from I can't remember where it was, but. Um, Asked him a question about him, he stormed off. He throws a fit. Like, he won't take questions. That's why I don't understand how they got him to sit down for this long. Yeah. Without storming off. I know he worked him, because obviously with a narcissist, especially one whose brain is turned to pudding, you got to, you know, butter him up and sort of work him. Anybody who's, like, schmoozed an old idiot or worked for some old rich moron who just needs their ego buttered knows how to do this, right? It's just, I'm very surprised that it lasted for as long as it did. Speaking of his brain turning to butter, uh, 
the White House is denying reports today mm. that they reached out to the South Dakota governor earlier this year about adding Donald Trump's face to Mount Rushmore. Mm. Uh, this almost certainly happened, mm. by the way. Like I'm, everything I've read about, like, he most certainly asked for this to be a thing, and they told him no. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're out there saying they never claimed that they asked for this, that mm. this is all a lie by the media. Uh, either way, just something I read about Mount Rushmore. Apparently, you can't add anything to it. Like the structural, like uh, integrity of the mountain is already like not like you carve the whole mountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. There's no more rock. Yeah, there's not really anywhere you could mm-hmm. even if even if you wanted to add anybody, no. you probably couldn't, right? No. Uh, but that's just like wild insanity to like mm-hmm. distract people. Um, but yeah, he almost certainly. It just feels like something he almost certainly asked, especially yeah. now that they're coming out. There's no question, he's obsessed with it. <laughs> He's yeah. obsessed with Mount Rushmore. Um, God, it's so weird. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, this week's... I had some other stuff, but I feel like we're just beating a dead horse talking about TikTok stuff. Although, mm. I'll say this. There's a good article I read this week. It's from TheVerge.com. It's called, The U.S. Declares War on TikTok Because It Can't Handle the Truth. Uh, and it's, effect- it's effect- uh, essentially about how uh, TikTok doesn't even take as much personal information as a lot of the social media platforms that we are on. It's not mm. saying that TikTok is some good social platform. Mm. Uh, but just in general, like we have given up a ton of our personal data to tons and tons of platforms. You we're just talking about the targeted advertising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there. So, so to pretend that we don't do this all the time, constantly, mm. with all of our social media apps is a lie. Uh, that's not saying that TikTok is like some... Great, or I don't know anything about TikTok. I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> there you go. I really, I don't have anything about it. I'm, I'm afraid. I don't even know how to look at someone's TikTok. Like if someone puts something on, like if someone embeds you have a TikTok, to get TikTok. You, you can't do it like Twitter, where like you embed it, you can just read someone's tweet, even if you're not on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, you can like look at like a post with embedded I feel, like that. Cause you see them embedded in like a lot of. I feel like when I click on an embedded one, it articles. tries to take me somewhere. Yeah, just, to yeah. get the app. Yeah, I don't want That's to. That's what happens. You click. When it's embedded, you just got to watch it on the page. You can't yeah. click through. Um, all right, so uh, this week's Thanks, I Hate It uh, is performative masculinity. Uh, within, not masculinity, but that is sort of what we're talking about it. Uh, earlier this week, a, uh, a Gallup poll from July 30th, found, or earlier this month, uh, found that American men are more likely to not wear masks compared to women. Specifically, the survey found that 34% of men compared to 54% of women responded that they always wear a mask when outside their home, and that 20% of men say they never wear masks as opposed to only 8% of women. Mm. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. At this point in time, knowing what everyone knows, knowing how many people have died, how many people have gotten sick, Anyone who's still out there, like, really aggressively, like, anti-mask, it feels like it's, like, almost pointed now. Do you know what I mean? It was pointed then, too. Yeah. It's been pointed the whole time. Uh, And it does, and I wonder why specifically it's, like, a certain type. It feels like it's more often than not, based on these numbers, a certain type of man. Yeah, scared, insecure dudes who try to act tough in face of their insecurity. Right, and and it's something I've talked about before, like, a... That's always just, like, a scared person being mean is, like, their impression of strength because they are scared sure. and sad and sure. whatever it is that's bringing them down. Uh, but apparently it's very... It's not uncommon for men to feel this way, but, like, we, for some reason, feel like we have to go against the grain for or at least a larger proportion of us do than than women, it seems like. I don't know why. I feel like I look at a lot of the male 
role models in my life growing up were not the best example or the worst examples of this, right? Mm-hmm. Just doing whatever they wanted, like that sort of lone wolf mentality. The toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, but again, wear your masks. So if you're not wearing a mask because you're trying to show off what a big, strong boy you are. You're an idiot. You're... Let's go. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I hate it. Uh, we were going to talk about Ellen DeGeneres. People were mad at her. you have any thoughts about Ellen DeGeneres getting people being mad about her? Um, I mean, it seems like she's probably not the nicest. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, she seems really nice on TV. She's probably, she's probably meaner than she thinks she is. Do you notice that's something with like, mean people in general? They don't really... So with all sorts of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just yeah. unaware of it, right? You, you can't gauge it in yourself if you, you, you can gauge it in other people. I could see that. Well, because a lot of times... Because you know your own intent and other people don't know your intent. You know what I mean? So you... It's just different, a different prism by which you look at yourself. You know what I mean? So I'm sure she's been uh, rotten to a bunch of people on her staff. And I'm sure if you asked her, she would probably know she's been rotten, but maybe doesn't realize how rotten she's been to some folks. But who I... At the end of the day, also, I don't really care, like, what's going on on daytime talk, celebrity, yeah. palace intrigue, She's so whatever. I think the other thing to keep in mind is she's wildly rich. Like, crazy, yes. crazy rich. Yeah. I, I assume that, again, we've said it before, I assume anybody who is, like, wildly crazy rich has... Probably treats staff like garbage. Yeah, and yeah. it's probably a weird personality mm-hmm. for whatever... Because whatever, essentially whatever decision you've made in your life is now valid, because mm-hmm. you've... You got mad money and you're mad successful, so you start doubling down on whatever you want because you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So, so there you go. Makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, let's get to this week's interview, which I'm hoping is Kate Riley. But it might be Justin. But it might be Justin. But we're hoping it's Kate. Could be neither. I hope it's somebody. (laughs) I hope hope it's it's somebody. If we come into this next segment, it's just us again. Then you know something's happened. It'll be just be Kevin interviewing me. Either way, uh, we'll be back in just a minute. We'll both interview the cat. Yes. Yeah. Justin, like, volunteers you to come onto the show, I, I never wonder if he's done it with or without your permission, yeah. right? So, so when I was getting the show ready, when we were recording the first segments, we did have a, a precursor that was like, we're, like, pretty sure. <laughs> we're, really, we're very sure it's going to yeah. be Katie. And then by the end of the episode, we'd already, you'd already texted confirmed. me, but like, confirmed it, but... Uh, you're back on. I can't remember. I feel like you've been on not too long ago. It's tough now. I think I was on right before the the shit hit the fans. So yeah. To speak. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like Justin's on like every other week at this point yeah. in time. For <laughs> I think that's why he he volunteered me. Well, because we actually have stuff to talk about, and when Justin's yeah. here, we have a bad habit of getting uh, off topic. I yeah, guess derailed the, derailed by any sort of wrestling conversation or whatever Netflix. But so matter of fact. Don't worry, I have my handy yeah, with, though. With that in mind, why don't we start here uh, first? We'll start with all the important stuff. Uh, before we start, of course, we're here sure. with Kate Riley, 
the head honcho here at Maiden Utica. I'd say it to both you and Justin. You guys can fight out over who the real boss is in your own time. <laughs> I know uh, who the real boss is. It's okay. <laughs> so you guys, uh, first before we get into the dates, uh, Kevin and I sort of discussed it in the intro, but mm-hmm. I'm really more excited for anything for people just to see how much work has been yeah. put into it down there and, and what you guys have done. Yeah, it looks drastically different, especially if you haven't seen it since last year. Because not only did we move the containers to be um, kind of more condensed and closer to the warehouse that we we also um, use, but we've also sort of redecorated, rearranged new artwork on pretty much a, a whole new space same concept yeah and but new new space and it actually worked out well with all of the new restrictions that we have to obey with all of the you know state guidelines because we're kind of able to um you know constrict the flow a little bit better before i mean you know in the past two years it was always great because people could come and go as they pleased and it was a huge open lot But realistically, this will be a little bit better because we kind of have a point of entry and exit and can, you know, maintain, you know, you have to have a gathering limit now and all of these things. And so you hit it right in the head. It is sort of a a brave new world out there in terms of what we have to do going forward. And, you know, I I know we've had a lot of conversations on my my personal time with educators about like going back to school and what that means. But, uh, you know, for you guys, like it's got to be tough. Like going through all the the stuff and making sure you're hitting every like checkpoint and every was there like yeah a... and I mean we realistically probably could have done stuff as soon as phase four yeah. opened, but we didn't want to just do something and either be risky or just you know we've always tried to do things the right way in terms of Handshake City so you know. It's I can't believe it's August and we're having our, our first event compared to last year, which I think was early May. But yeah, it's it, it's just. I think for everybody, you know, I mean, it's such a lost year for everybody, yeah. and you can read any number of articles anywhere in the entire country about everything that's not happening, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think even though it's late and it's August and we've gotten toward yeah. the end of summer, I think the fact that we've even done the stuff we've already done and the stuff that we're doing now, it's good for people because, you know, yeah. as long as we're doing stuff safely and we're following all the rules and everything, yeah. I think we're going to get people who want to be involved in this stuff. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's warm out, it's, it's prime summer time, be outside, hang out, weather... You know, we can't do the things we normally would do, which, you know, concerts are still not allowed, um, you know, full-on concerts, right. full-on shows, yeah. you know, vendor events. Like, we're trying, we had to scale back considerably, um, but I think we're still hitting some of the bullet points that we care about, which are, you know, community groups that need our help, um, the arts and entertainment, health and wellness so we're still even just with the events we have coming up in the next couple of weeks we're still kind of hitting those different um you know groups and yeah. and genres of events so to speak that are important to us that's great and i i'm really excited for people to see the spot i think it looks really really wonderful i think you guys did a great job it changes every day too you know I'm sure you guys have talked about the vandalism that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, we talked about it briefly. I didn't want to 
I didn't yeah. want to speak on behalf of you or Justin in terms of like what the official statement was. The uh, official statement is that it's fine. It was probably a kid, kid who yeah. just That's... is, you know, it's like you said, it's a tough world out there. So <laughs> the the nice thing is that even though they did do some some vandalism, they didn't. Um, be disrespectful enough to hit any of the existing artwork. I noticed that actually, yeah. I, and that was something you know, it's small, small positive. Right? Yeah. You look for the bright side on stuff, but you know, I'm glad that it wasn't over like yeah. Maria or Tony's yeah. work or somebody who, yeah. And the cool thing is, immediately people were interested in helping. You know, we we raised a couple hundred dollars to to buy some um, paint, art supplies, pay our artists. We had. We already have three new murals going up um, that are in various stages of mm-hmm. completion and two more coming. So, you know, it really, um, in a weird sense, the vandalism kind of kick-started a, a new phase of, of artwork down there. So, Well, I think sometimes, you know, when you, when you guys, especially, you know, you and Justin, when you guys are in the thick of it and you're working down there, and you guys are sort of caught up in the world of getting everything going on. I think sometimes you forget that people want to come down. Like yeah. you, you talked about, you know, the photo event we'll talk about coming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was curious how quickly people would want to yeah. fill in these spots. I was, you know, not not because I didn't think it was a good idea, but yeah. just because you know I don't know how willing people were to come out. And within a couple of days, we're like, oh, people wanted, yeah, people want to do stuff. Right? It's there. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, the events that, that we've picked, like I said earlier, they, they you know, appeal to different types of, of people. So the, the first thing that we announced was the photo shoot event. And that actually came up because, you know, I was pulling weeds, which seems to happen every right. other day down there. <laughs> Those gobblestones. Damn stones. weeds. <laughs> but I was sitting there, and there was... Four different carloads of, you know, um, TikTok aged, well, um, whatever, I yeah. TikTok, but you know what I mean? Like the, the young, like uh, young college age kids taking pictures, you know, posing, um, doing their, you know, Instagram influencer stuff. And I was like, there's got to be a way that we can incorporate how popular of a photo backdrop this is and maybe also raise a little bit of money. And we love when people go down there and take pictures, but you know, what we're doing there is we're actually going to have professional photographers down there and then people can kind of rotate among the spaces and, and have, um, professional photographers take their senior pictures or, you know, headshots and, and it it sold out in less than a day. So, (laughs) Which well, is awesome. And especially a really good idea in this sort of odd year where who knows like when people are going to go in to like, get photos somewhere. Like, yeah. A professional photo place. Now like now you can sort of... It's an interesting idea. And I think a lot of people are going to be excited about it. I think you could double this event up and probably still... Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think we could... We'll, we'll likely do another one, yeah. I think, in September um, because of how popular it was. Um, and, you know... There's a couple of the events that we're going to do that we, we hope will be repeating events. Well, let's uh, let's dig into the other get into stuff. It. Yeah, let's yeah, get into Justin it. Justin wrote me this this, this post-it <laughs> in front of me because he didn't think that I could. He he wasn't sure that I could remember them all. You know that even with this post-it, even when you say all of these things, you're going to go into the green room after we're done, and he's going to have some and criticism. he's still going to have some criticism yeah. about uh, yeah. what you. 
Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Let's start here. For yeah. Me. So the first event coming up is actually um, something that Justin and I went and checked out last week. It's called Nomadic Voices, and mm-hmm. they're um, a group of young kids who it seems like they're y- younger than us anyway. They are, yeah. They're the next generation of creatives, and they're doing a traveling open mic night. So they're going to different parks and open spaces, and they've only been around a couple of weeks. They've started, I believe, at that um, Black Lives Matter mural event. Yeah. And they have, you know, done a couple since then, and, and they basically just set up in a park yeah. and have a speaker and plug in, and they do the, the one we went to check out. You know, there's a keyboardist and a singer and spoken word and mm-hmm. poetry and... It was it was really cool, and I think it's it's perfect for us because it'll get people down to the park who maybe not have not seen it before, and and we have the stage, we have the space, and we have the draw that maybe we can be good connections yeah. for this group too. So, uh, I believe that this uh, program is being put on by one of my former young scholars kids, who is the the contact you guys have been doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it makes me very proud. I'm yeah. very pleased to see him doing this stuff. Uh, he's really, he's a great He guy. seems like he has a lot of drive. And uh, we're hoping we can kind of help them as well as them help us. So be a mutually beneficial event. It's great. And especially, I love seeing the next generation yeah. uh, do cool stuff. And it was something that I got to do a lot while I was working for that program. Uh, and, you know, it's something you see a lot. You know, I, I even wonder about it with, like, people like our age like when you talk to business owners who are like older than you and stuff do yeah. they still treat you like your kid i think so i i hope that our generation is a little bit more willing to like yeah let the kids roll and do yeah. their thing do you know what i mean like that's yeah. one thing i hope i don't mean to get weird all right we'll yeah. move on to the next no I, I get what you that is this wednesday at 6 p.m um that is the day after, yes, yes, this Wednesday, yeah, so the twelfth. I was like, I for a minute, I had to like verify what day it was. Because well, <laughs> when people hear this, it will be tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. right? But, but this Wednesday at six p.m. It'll go for a couple hours, six to nine, and then um, on Sunday is the the pop up photo shoot, which we already touched base on, and that actually is sold out, like we mentioned. Mm. And then Monday, we're gonna have. Our friend Phil come and do um, trivia at the park. So it'll be sort of a, a bring your own um, picnic if you wish. We have a food truck. We have break from the grind there. Um, and we have we have a ton of picnic tables spread out. So you do have to register. We're asking you to register ahead for your team. And you'll have a picnic table. And we'll have some, some prizes. And Phil will run his usual... His, you know, stage time trivia Which thing. Which we did for Justin's birthday at the mall yeah. way back before everything started. And, uh, you know... Second I've, week of March. That was like yeah, the last social thing we all was, did. It's true. <laughs> the pins card in my yeah. card is like the last reminder. Uh, you know, I've seen Phil do trivia before. And yeah. he's very good. But I always... I, I sometimes forget how entertaining the trivia is yeah. until you... He's, he is he's a true really comedian. Entertaining. He's really... So it's not just yeah. trivia. It's, it's really um, entertainment. And... I know that is going to be very, you know, it's, it, we're only selling, I think, 15 or, or 10 or 15 um, registrations mm-hmm. because we do have that, that gathering capacity we have to um, adhere to. So, yeah, so that'll be cool. And you know what? That's something we've been talking about with Phil for a couple yeah, of years, but for some reason it, it never really panned out. But I think this is the perfect time to, to try yeah. it. 
Uh, I'll have to get Phil on after this is done, just so yeah. I can chat. It's been a while. I don't know what his. I don't know if he's an internet-only guy or if he'd be willing to come sit across the table with masks. Um, I'm not sure. He might. Yeah, I think I think he might. I'm not sure whenever I talk to anybody now for the show who's yeah. willing to come over. Like, besides you guys, because we've already been around each yeah. other at this point in yeah. time. But, like, I've had one person come in the studio. Yeah. And mostly everything's been done on the laptops. Yeah. Uh, and it's still weird. Zoom life. Zoom life. I want, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, too. Is there anything yeah. else? I want to make sure we get yeah, to everything here. Yes. Two more that I'll just touch base on quickly. Um, we're having another yoga um, pop-up. Which has been really good, really cool. Yeah, that's on the 23rd. Um, it's actually my cousin, Vin Canarelli. He does a yin yoga, mm-hmm. which is a little bit slower pace. So that'll be on the 23rd in the morning with In Bloom. And then we're still confirming the details, but we're actually going to have the... The um, Uptown Improv nice. crew come do a show the Wednesday following that we're working on. So yeah, we we are jam packed. Is it the thirtieth? No, that would be the twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. So okay. yeah, we've got five events to roll with in the next uh, cu- couple of weeks. Now trying uh, to jam and everything we can. You mentioned that you want people to register for this. People should yeah. go to Handshake.City. Handshake.City. Um, there's all of our events. And even though, for example, the open mic is free, we still want people to register because, right. um, you know, we're trying to do everything the right way. You can also see we had to create this, you know, safety and, you know, procedural plan. So our, our pandemic plan for COVID is on there and, you know, we want people to know that we're doing things the right way, as as we should, and you know, yeah. we hope every we hope everyone is we're taking is it very cool seriously with all of the things you have to do. It sucks to wear a mask. I will verify that it's, it's, much. Uh, somebody just gave me one of the masks that's like the scarf mask. Like you oh put yeah. it up, it's like here, and then it goes down to like you know. Yeah. And I thought it was all right at first. It's suffocating, right? No, it doesn't stay on. Oh. There's nothing, because it, it just, like, essentially, yeah. if I didn't have glasses, yeah, maybe we're getting into a different story. All right, before I get into chit-chat mode, I want to just run that back real quick. So this Wednesday, yes. coming up from 6 to 9 p.m., uh, that's Nomadic Voices. Yep, and, and people can also still play, sign up to be a performer. Attendees awesome. or performers. Cool. Um, yes. Uh, and then this weekend on Sunday, even though it's sold out, will be the photo shoots. I'm bringing yep. this up because I am, again, coming yeah. early in the morning so you guys can do my graduation photos. Yes. Uh, it's really just to test the cameras. I'm doing air quotes mm-hmm. uh, for everybody else to make sure everything's working and it flows nicely. That's mm-hmm. how Justin framed it. Yep. Uh, Monday the after day that. After. Yep. The day after. Uh, Phil Farta, that'll be Monday night, you said? Yep. That'll be uh, 6 o'clock. 6 it's o'clock. trivia. And that's registration as well. Yep. Uh, and then we have the 23rd. We have the Yin Yoga Yoga pop up with In Bloom. Yep. That's really cool. I and love that's doing that. Through their regular In Bloom site, so you go through them to to register awesome. for that. And then um, uh, Uptown Improv is the 26th. Yep. And more details to come. Yeah, I'm sure I'll talk to Devin before yeah. before that comes a little. Closer. I know they're you know and, and that's it's cool for us to be able to offer that to them because they can't do their classes right now and they're they're I mean they're putting out great content. And doing the, you know, the, yeah. the, the online, the internet yeah. show. But I think it'll be a nice um, way for them to, to put on the actual yeah. show. Uh, so that's all great stuff. I'm glad we got all this down. I'm sure, again, we'll get criticized for something on this. But I think we did good here. That's good. <laughs> 
Uh, a couple let things. Let me check with, my list. Yeah, let me make uh, sure. Vandalism, events, register, layout, volunteer, volunteer, donate. Oh, it's very true. Two very important things. We love also it. Also available on the website. Uh, so I have to pull back the curtain a minute here, folks. I know we've talked about it a bit on the uh, on the show. Otherwise, you know, in these tough times uh, with getting guests, it's been a godsend to be able to go into Studio B up the street to do Zoom calls because my internet is terrible down here. Yeah. So I just wanted to thank you. Always and available. For all the folks who've enjoyed the Zoom interviews we've had with Brindisi and uh, GFOPs like Aaron Higgins and Heather Wise and all the folks we can't get in otherwise, uh, you got to thank Kate for letting me use her internet. Uh, and to, her laptop. Happy to do it. I'm actually in the market. I'm, I'm making the... I'm do, I talked about it last week. I teased it. Now is the yeah. time. I'm making the... This is the week. I've already done some research. I support it. I don't know what I don't like the Apple laptops that are out yeah. there. Yeah, they're not that nice. I actually bought a new laptop, and I didn't buy. So you're using my when you borrow mine. You, that's my old computer. Yeah. I actually have a new. I bought a gamer laptop because they're very high functioning, yep. super fast, um, really great. The only thing is, it doesn't I, look it, like something you would own. No, it's not. It's very big and bulky, and like has flashing red backlighting <laughs> yeah, on the keyboard. Weird. Um, and uh, like it, it doesn't have a camera, which I didn't think I needed. Definitely need a camera. immediately after buying, I bought it in early March, and then immediately was like, I cannot believe I bought a computer without a camera, so I had to buy a little webcam. This is my work computer, this other yeah. alternate laptop here that I have, and this doesn't have a webcam either. I'm like, how could, in this year, how is how it possible? That, how does that work? Uh... So thank you for all that, but I think yeah. once uh, once I get my laptop in, could be next week, could be week yeah. after, I won't have to hassle you about laptop. I still might have to hassle you about internet yeah. because my internet is really weird Anytime. here. Uh, let me ask you: you you vaguely mentioned this. We talked about it a bit on the show this week because it's become a topic of conversation. You actually have a TikTok, eh? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, Are you? How you doing with that? I don't. Really, I don't use it. And you can laugh at me. I'm not laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you. It is the only wholesome content that remains. Um, You think Instagram's wholesome-ish? Yeah, you still get very political. I think Instagram's pretty aspirational. I say this all the time. It's aspirational. I guess it depends on... A lot of it depends on who you follow, I guess. I feel like TikTok's mad political right now, too. (laughs) It's mad political. Possibly. But... I originally just got it because I like to see like what my like my goddaughter has it yeah. to talk about it all the time. So I like want to be like the cool aunt who knows what's going on, knows what's happening. Yeah. But now I was actually talking about it. I talk about it all the time with like Amanda, Amanda Goldstein, um, just one of my, my good friends, who also has it and like has never she's never posted a single thing, but she uses it. It's more of like a entertainment. It takes my mind off of all the crappy news and you know when i'm sitting in bed at night with all of the things i have to do or all the the news of the day running through my head it kind of is a a nice distraction oh i'm not i'm not against distractions believe me i'm gonna spend three hours after this watching men in tights beat each other up for yeah uh no i just i've noticed over the years that i i think snapchat i always go back to this one was the last social media platform that i downloaded because yeah. I felt like I needed to know what it was because yeah. that was a thing. And even that one, I just never used it. I never felt like... And I guess it's different for me because I'm getting to a point where I'm like, well, what, is, what do people want to see me yeah. do? I'm not, like, that funny. <laughs> so, well, like, I'll tell you, I have been downsizing a lot. I deleted my Twitter. Yeah. 
which I don't miss at all. I no. thought I would because I was one of the first wave of, yeah. of Twitter I'm people. I'm with you on that. I've been on since, like, 2010. Yeah, one of the first first waves of, of um, tweeters. And I thought it would be more, like, um, nostalgic for me to, like, delete it. But I don't care. I don't find myself missing uh, it at all. I think Twitter, for me, as I get to this stage, feels like diminishing returns. Yeah. More than almost any social media platform. I was talking to Justin about this, actually, off the air a couple weeks ago. You know, Facebook is tough because when you're on Facebook, it's genuinely people you know. Yeah. Like, people you're intimately aware of, for the most part, Mm -hmm. right? Your family, your friends, high school, whatever, acquaintances. Instagram is always fears like, here's the best single moment of my life. Here's The carefully curated. The carefully curated best meal I've had in three months. The best beach date I've gone on all year. Twitter at more and more feels like screaming into the void. Like yeah. I'm just gonna yell, and maybe whatever I say will catch on something. Yeah, and it will. I tweet all the time. You know what I found found though was is that I used to like just um, saying my random thoughts that I found funny yeah. or complaints, yep. more like a micro diary, you yep. know. And I think that's how the early Twitter was. And then I found that people were commenting and reacting to things in a way that really aggravated me because yep. I was like, I'm just trying to be funny or this is just yeah. what's happening to me today. You don't need to like microanalyze yep. everything. And I found that it wasn't even like a relief for me to be able to do those things anymore. The only response I get on anything on Twitter anymore, you know, people who listen to the show will like, like yeah. the tweets sometimes. But most people who get the show just listen to it or, you know, because they, the know, where to find they know where to find it, it yeah. right? Uh, I get mostly reactions. The most reactions I ever get in anything. Earlier this week, I put up a tweet that I was watching something on TV, and I was, I was like, talking about John Candy. I was like, yo, John Candy's the man. What's the most underrated John Candy performance? And that got like a thousand, yeah. uh, not a thousand, obviously, but yeah. it got like, more retweets than I get yeah. normally and more like comments. I'm like, this is what it takes. So you just got to tweet some yeah. real generic pop culture. pop culture reference, something real vague that's really un, yeah. uh, unoffensive. That's all I can really do on Twitter. I've... I've just been on it so long. I'm with you. Yeah. I feel like it'd be weird for me to not... It is the platform yeah. I probably use the most still. Yeah. Because I, I hate Facebook the most. I just yeah. can't get rid of it because of the the reach and all yeah. the contacts and all that kind of thing. Um, I hear you. I, I left you on here longer than I, than I planned okay. to. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show before you head out that you guys are reading, listening to, or watching okay. over there. I just finished a book, which is very excellent, and mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking about it a lot, but I, I just finished The Book of Longing, which, um, by Sue Monk Kidd, which, shout out the Utica Public Library for doing, used, being able to reserve your book online and do, like, curbside pickup. Nice. Phenomenal. Utica Public Library. They're seriously, doing great work down there. Seriously a gem. Love those folks. But it's a historical fiction book, and it is... Um, about the fictional life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's very cleverly done where it, it mm. um, builds this character who, um, you know, I grew up, you know, I grew up in the church. Essentially, sure. my parents are, are, are religious yeah. in my family. We went to church every single Sunday. Um, so this, I'm very familiar with this, yeah. the story of Jesus. And, um, but the book was not religious and, any way, shape, or form. It was it was simply about the this woman who um, ends up 
I'm, I can go off on a tangent. I'll try to wrap no, it up no, quickly. But um, ends up marrying Jesus. But it, it's her as um, her perspective and like her struggle and um, being a, a lot about being a, sh- a strong-willed woman in those times in that day and age. And um, she was like a, trying to be um, a academic and and it was just so interesting how someone could develop this storyline mm. that is a fictional storyline alongside an actual um, historical mm. storyline. It's pretty interesting. And I've, I read a lot of historical fiction. Usually I read a lot of like um, World War II stories. Um, I've done a bit of Civil War. But this was the... It was just... I really could not recommend it enough if people like that that sort of thing if you like that sort of thing i I don't think i have it on me at the moment i think i gave it to my sister uh, a couple years ago and i don't think she ever gave it back to me it's a it's a book you can find on the internet folks it's called the country under my skin Mm -hmm. and it's by this real uh sandinista woman uh she was in the cause her name was uh gioconda bella and she was this woman who like lived in nicaragua and like left her family and kids to go join the Sandinista movement because she wanted to fight against uh, against the oppressive mm-hmm. Somoza government, and it's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. And if you're into like yeah historical like it's yeah. not historical fiction, but it's it's sort of her memoir yeah. as well as her story of like joining yeah. this rebel group during the the Nicaraguan independence movement. You can, folks can find that on Amazon. It's super cheap. I've seen it everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was cool, especially, I think anyone would find it interesting whether or not yeah, yeah. you, um, you know, had the background knowledge of that time, but just, there was so much I was unfamiliar with that I just um, felt very, it was very compelling. I'm with you on that, though. Like, I grew up with a family who did sort of, my, my mom at least, and sometimes my sisters, we go to church yeah. every Sunday. I'm not religious any longer, and yeah. I've talked about that at length in the show, we don't need to dig into it, but... I'm still fascinated by Catholic like iconography and the stories yeah. and stuff, even though I don't care well, much for the. Religion is essentially a, a story. Right. I don't care for the organization. Yeah. Part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like but, the stories are fascinating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, and I think that I was just talking about was it Jesus Christ Superstar? I was like, yeah. I still like that. Yeah. Uh, again, Handshake City. We have five big time events. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them over again. Uh, go back and listen to the interview. Yeah. Uh, but, or go to handshake.city or go to facebook.com slash magnetica yeah. or handshake or facebook.com. There's a million ways you can get to all the websites. Slide in our DMs. I'll Do give it. you a breakdown. Uh, Kate, thank you so much yeah. uh, for sitting in this warm studio. Let's go back into the green room uh, and we appreciate you as always. Yes. Back to the show in just a moment. dig into them. I feel like they're older this week than normal. Sometimes mm. I feel like I feel like sometimes I try and get them all in the 2000s or yeah, in the yeah. 90s. Uh, I feel like a lot of these are older. But they're pretty good. Slow this week in the 90s. It's, it's a slow week. It was on vacation. 90s. 
Uh, on this day, 1866, mm. the Smithsonian Institute Act was signed into law. After a debate on how to spend the uh, how best to spend the bequest left to America from an obscure English scientist, President James K. Polk signed the Smithsonian Institute Act into law on this day, 1846. James Smithson was an Englishman who decreed that his whole estate would go to the United States of America to found at Washington under the name of the Smithsonian Institute mm. an establishment for the increase and diffusion of knowledge. Mm. So he essentially was like, hey, if none of my family has any, if I don't have any kids or grandkids, mm. take all this money and build a museum in another country. Build like build like museums in other countries. What a wild! That. I like it a lot. I respect that. What a wild thing to do. Uh, Smithson had been a fellow of the uh, Venerable Royal Society of London from the age of twenty-two, and published numerous scientific papers on mineral composition, geology, chemistry. So he's obviously very interested in natural history, science. Uh, it was six years after his death when his nephew died without children, and thus the inheritance was given to the United States. Today, the Smithsonian itself is comprised of several museums and galleries, including the recently opened National Museum of African American History and Culture, nine research facilities throughout the United States and the world, and the National Zoo. Uh, there's Natural Museum of History, there's a zoological park, the Portrait Gallery. Uh, for anyone who's been to D.C., all of these are free, so you can just walk into all of these and just pop in and out of all the museums. Mm. For folks who've never been to D.C. to go to any of these things, it's definitely worth it. It's like one of the cooler... Uh, trips you can go on. Um, I looked up on here. I love a museum, by the way. One of my favorite things in the world. Uh, I found a list. These are the top ten most visited museums in the United States mm. as of October 2018. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, the National Air and Space Museum. Have you ever gone to it? No. It's amazing. Seven million people go in. That's my mm. biggest problem with it. It's really cool. It's super cool. And there's, you know, real spaceships and shit, right? All the original stuff. And there's just always so many people. It makes sense. It's just, you can't, like, get anywhere. You can't get, it's yeah. just too many folks. Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York as well, 7 million a year. I love the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I think it's sort of, people go to MoMA now. The, Mod the Museum of Modern Art in New York, that's more popular to go mm -hmm. to and take people to. But, like, the, muse the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Met is the one. When you think about it in New York City... Museum. Yeah. I think of two. I think of that one and one we'll get to later. Number three, Washington, D.C.'s uh, Museum of Natural History. Number four is their uh, Gallery of Art. Number five is their uh, the American Museum of Natural History in New York, which is my favorite mm -hmm. of all time. It's so good that when I go to the D.C. one, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't know, this one's supposed to be at the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. This one in New York is killing it. Uh, the American Museum, the National Museum of American History. It's very cool. It's also in D.C. Museum of Modern Art. I mean, if you like, if you like a trash can covered in uh, covered in macaroni. aluminum foil and macaroni, and you're like, oh, what's it mean? Then yeah, sure. No, I'm kidding. It's it's actually quite cool. <laughs> I'm just being harsh. Mm. Uh, the brand new uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C. I've been lucky enough to see it. It's really really cool. Uh, and then finally, the California Sp uh, Science Center in Los Angeles, which I have never been to. Mm. I feel like I don't think of Los Angeles slash California as like a museum's place, which is probably very naive of me. I'm sure they got museums. I'm sure they do. I tend to think of like New York and Chicago for whatever reason. I think like the field museum, I guess because I've been to New York and Chicago. That's a big reason. <laughs> That's a big That's part of it, big, right? big reason, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. On this day, 1896, gold is discovered in the Yukon. 
Mm. Uh, while salmon fishing near the Klondike River in the Yukon Territory, George Carmack reportedly spots nuggets of gold in a creek bed. His lucky discovery sparks the last great gold rush in, Amer- in the American West. What would people have to find now, today, that people would rush to a part of the... What would you have to find? People can no longer rush. That's true. It would just be corporations that just boom in. Corporations. Yeah, if somebody found gold, oil... Oil. I mean, yeah, if somebody finds oil, it's no longer... You can't just go out there and Daniel Plainview it and build your own rig <laughs> Just anymore. out there digging for bitcoins. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Just find a big... <laughs> uh, uh, hoping to cash in unreported gold strikes in Alaska. Carmack had traveled there from California in 1881... After running into a dead end, he headed north into the isolated Yukon Territory just across the Canadian border. Mm. Why would you ever want to, like, purposely go out there? <laughs> I just want to, I guess, for gold, I assume, right? In this era, so cold. Um, regardless of who spotted gold first, uh, men soon found a rock near the creek bed that was thick with gold deposits, staking their claims the following day. News of the gold strike spread fast across Canada and the United States, and over the next two years, more than 50,000 would-be miners arrived in the region that number feels kind of small. But 50,000, I feel like more people, if they knew about it, would go. Nah, because you're not thinking about what it was like to travel to the Yukon at that time. That's not like jumping in your Yukon Denali and driving up the highway to the Yukon. You know what I mean? That's like, true. 50,000 people showed up in covered wagons on horses, like through the, you know, mountains. <laughs> uh, Klondike fever reached its height in the, in the United States in mid-July 1897 when two steamships arrived from the Yukon in San Francisco and Seattle, bringing a total of more than two tons of gold. Thousands of eager young men brought, bought elaborate Yukon outfits, which were kits assembled by clever marketers mm. containing food, clothing, tools, and other necessary equipment. I bet they were totally cool and not like his ripoff at all. Mm. Uh, and sent on their way Few would find what they were looking for. For his part, though, Carmack became rich, leaving the Yukon with $1 million worth of gold. I don't know what that would be today. I'm sure it's still... Plenty. I'm sure it's plenty. Uh, I feel like gold is such a weird concept, right? Like, to find gold and, like, or... Like, we just watched Uncut Gems, so, like, I just mm. watched the idea, like, just, I found this rock, mm. and it's worth... It's an excellent rock. It's an excellent rock. Mm. It's worth... Yeah, this rock is worth... 180 million dollars like what how mm-hmm. how who? and who said why like what mm-hmm. for what reason uh i mean i don't know you if you found like a bar of gold what do you do with it you can't even go to the bank i mean what you could found is a loaded like because a, a, bar, right, of a gold, bar of gold a bar of gold means that like somebody formed that bar of gold for, a bar, right. that bar of gold is missing right okay so let's say i go out back in the yard okay yeah and I dig into the ground, uh-huh. and I find a nugget of gold. Right. Where do I take it? Um, Who takes that from me? Uh, somebody. Somebody takes it, you right? You have to go, yeah, yeah. Do you get cash for gold? Do I go to- no, 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 no. You don't, you know. No, you don't go to those people. There's somebody else. There's somebody else that's not, like, cash for gold pawn shop, I think, probably. Uh, today, there are still 200 small gold mines that operate in the Yukon Territory. I feel like eventually you run out. As, that, as, I mean, as why they're not still pulling gold out of the hills. It's true. Uh, on this day, 1937, the first ever electric guitar patent was awarded to the Electro String Corporation. Mm. Uh, versatile, inexpensive, and relatively easy to play, the acoustic guitar was a staple of American rural music in the early 20th century, mm. particularly black rural music such as the blues. But a significant physical limitation made it a poor fit for ensembles made up of brass, woodwind, and occasion and orchestral string instruments. Mm. It is simply too quiet. Mm. Uh, when transforming the guitar, uh, 
It was developed with a method of transferring sound on a vibrating guitar string into an electrical signal that mm-hmm. can be amplified and reconverted into audible sound at a much greater volume, which essentially mm-hmm. it's exactly the same as it's always been. Like they, they yeah. it's been refined, sure, but mm-hmm. the general idea of how an electric guitar works is exactly the same today as it mm-hmm. was in nineteen thirty seven. Uh, this patent went to an instrument that was known as the Rickenbacker frying pan, which mm. I don't know what that is. I feel like I would. I feel like I should know this. Mm. I, I assumed it would be like Leo Fender or whoever the close. He's closer to. Um, that'll be probably closer to like the fifties when he starts getting patents. Maybe very end of the forties. Leo Fender. You might see Gibson before this. I think Gibson was manufactured. Martin definitely was, but I think they stayed to acoustics. This guy's name was G.D. Bochamp, and he mm. partnered with a guy named Aldo- Adolf Rickenbacker, which is a name mm. I do feel comfortable talking about. Uh, it was a process delayed by several areas of concern, including the electric guitar's reliance on an engineering invention that dated to the 19th century. Uh, on August 10th, 1937, the Patent Office approved the majority of his claims, Primary those relating to the unique design of the pickup, a heavily electromag- uh, electromagnet that surrounded the base of the steel strings. Uh, this is probably more interesting for you and me than it is for the people out yes, there in correct. the world, I'm sure. Correct. Uh, what's an invention that you're like sort of mad you didn't come up with? What's something you're, you're thinking about that, like something you wish you could have invented? I always jokingly say like that little slide lock on doors, like in your apartments, because mm. everyone's got one. <laughs> But you yeah, can't monetize yeah, yeah. that. You can't make any money off that. I don't well, think. Yeah, I mean, you could have held the patent. It's a patent, right? Yeah, Get the yeah, original yeah. patent. Uh, I mean, I, jo- I guess podcasts. I wish I had invented this, this mm. concept. I feel like I was like three years behind. I feel but, like whoever invented this, though, probably didn't ever got anything from it. Probably long gone. It's a good gone, point. Right. Long gone. Rarely does the inventor, especially for something that's so broad and amorphous, like not re- like a podcast is an uninvention. Recording sound isn't an invention. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, it's true. And the first guy who made a quote-unquote podcast, but I didn't call it a podcast. Well, it's not an invention. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. an invention. It was, I'm going to record. It's not really that different yeah. than a book on tape. It's not really that different than a band's album. It's just That's a true. different genre of yeah. audio recording. Uh, all right, on this day, 1984, Red Dawn is released. But importantly, it is the first official PG-13 movie to be released in the United States mm-hmm. of America. Uh, founded in 1922 as a trade group for the American film industry, the MPAA, which is still the place that gives out the movie rating systems, uh, came in in response to groups who wanted better guidelines for parents to determine whether or not a movie's content or themes was child appropriate. Uh, as we talked about earlier, some of these kids' movies we were watching on this thing were pretty brutal. Mm. Pretty wild that they were kids' movies. Uh, initial rating categories were G, which was acceptable for all ages, M for mature audiences, but all ages were admitted, which I guess makes it the original PG-13, mm. right? Uh, R and X, mm. no one was eliminated, uh, uh, admitted uh, under eight, 17. M was changed to PG on July 84, and the PG-13 rating was added to indicate films with a higher level of intensity. Right. Uh, then the X rating got removed in general. Mm-hmm. They just got rid of it, and be- it became the NC-17 rating, which to this day... I still don't think I've ever seen a movie that falls under the NC-17 rating. Not for any, like, lack of, like, I'm not going to watch it. There's been a couple. I couldn't think of one. Like, I can't think, I think of... Showgirls was NC-17 back when it came out. Was, was it just it X? I that... No, X wasn't a thing. Well, X is believed to connotate hardcore pornography. Right, right? which that isn't. That is not, it's you know true. I mean? So I think that, because I remember that, when they invented that term in the 90s, I remember it being because of that and other movies like that at the time. When, like, you were a young kid and you're like, oh, showgirls, you know what I mean? Showgirls, God. Remember we thought showgirls was, like, a thing? We're like, oh, God, showgirls, I can't believe. Did who? 
It was like a big thing if you saw this movie. Then, oh yeah, like you were a young kid. A young kid, yeah. Because like, you're like a young kid and they've yeah. got boobs. God, boobs. You're like, yeah. Right. And then you saw it, like this movie's not very good. Well, you know, you weren't you weren't watching movies. No, like I know. That when you were a kid. <laughs> Sitting there with a critical. Oh, you're not gonna tell you the film yeah, here. It's I really think you make the best use of comic local and uh, I'm he, eight. I thought, he, I thought he was good in that movie. Uh, so here you go. That was um, that was the first PG-13 movie. Was Red Dawn, starring yeah. Patrick Swayze and Thomas E. Howell. I actually never really totally seen that movie all the way through. That movie's almost more I've of a meme. In my life, yeah. Uh, I have a couple of lists that go with this. We're not going to go through all of them because they're uh, kind of long and they kind of beat up on each other. Mm. PG-13 movies tend to be wildly successful, though. So you've noticed over the last few years, you see a lot of movies get dumbed down into PG-13. Yeah. Like, a lot of, like, that last Jurassic World movie definitely could have been an R-rated movie if they mm. decided to lean into it. Yeah. But they leaned far away from it. Right. Here's a list of seven PG-13 movies that very well could have been rated R. Are you ready? Jaws. Jaws is rated PG, mind you. Mm. Uh, and I don't think you could rate it R, necessarily. No. But Quint gets, like, that... Eaten. It's pretty brutal. There's crunching and screaming it's and... It's more than PG. It's more than PG. Mm -hmm. How about The Dark Knight? It could have made it an R. I bet you there's a cut of this film somewhere that exists as an R rating. Maybe. I, if they were shooting for that, yeah. It feels like when I watch that movie, there's scenes where there are like really intense cuts away from violence. Uh, Not to say that they filmed the violence. That's kind of my thought. It seems Christopher Nolan seems a little bit too um, too meticulous to film a bunch of stuff like that. He wasn't going to use. You but know what it, I mean? I wonder if I. Not that they filmed it, but if they were going to linger on it longer and decided not to because it felt too. You know what I'm saying? Like if those cuts came quicker because they didn't want to linger on the obvious murder that just took place right mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i think it's i think it's in keeping with uh with what they did with batman begins and sort of putting that style to putting the action right off screen in the traditional mm -hmm. a lot of these batman movies and the comic book movies coming up with where you've got that real heavy implied violence but without mm -hmm. using it in an exploitative way it just doesn't seem to be something christopher nolan ever really does or has ever done at any point how about taken Taken is a PG-13 movie as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, it easily could have been an R. That surprises me that's PG-13. I guess they don't swear, so yeah. Uh, how about Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery and its sequels? Uh, I mean, these are pretty... Easily could have been R. It could have been R. It's mostly the sex stuff. It's, it's a lot of like... It's a lot of sexual jokes. It's all like innuendo. Yeah. Are we saying like if they had added stuff, they would have been R? No, should these, these have been R-rated like, as oh, they okay, are? I see. Yeah. Uh, Spawn. Or Spawn, the movie? I don't remember yeah, yeah. enough to say one way or the other. Same. Live free or die hard, I never saw it. Sucker punch, I never saw it. Seems like it would be R. Like, it's a die hard movie. Why would it just make it R? Uh, and then, just real quickly, some of the most inappropriate PG movies from this era. Mm. Uh, 16 Candles. A mm. lot of these teen movies from the 80s are kind of inappropriate. Like, yeah, they weren't inappropriate for the time, but then you realize like the 80s is like horrifying with all this stuff. Oh my god, yeah. It seemed innocent in hindsight when you're yeah. watching it. Um... Let me take a look here at what the next one is. Oh, Poltergeist? Yeah, Poltergeist definitely is more than a PG movie. Uh, Poltergeist on the line, I guess. A little, little more than a PG. A little more than a PG. Uh, I mean, they got... I don't know, man. There's some stuff in that movie. You can get PG-13 in that movie. How about Who Framed Roger Rabbit? PG movie. Could you move that up? It's a little intense. If you really wanted to push it, but I, I'm comfortable with it at PG. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yo, go, uh, Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost in that movie. I'm just mm. saying... That movie very easily could have been PG-13. They would have had to swear more. They do swear, don't they? They would have had to swear more. You can get one F word, I believe is what happens. Not in PG. In PG-13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Neverending Story, uh, Arthur, I've never seen any of these. Airplane, I mean, I guess. Watership Down, we talked about it earlier. Yeah, so there you go. I don't know. What was the first, I guess I'll leave it on this one and we'll move on to the next thing. What was the first, like, adult movie you were allowed to watch? I guess not necessarily an R-rated movie, although I guess that's probably what constitutes it. Oh, I don't even remember. I wasn't really restricted from films ever. I wasn't either. Uh, uh, there wasn't ever really, like, a, and I had, like, older cousins and stuff, so... I don't remember the first thing I watched because it was just, I mean, I was watching stuff with like my parents from old enough to sit and watch. I go back to Terminator 2 all the time mm -hmm. for this. Uh, I love that movie, by the way. I think it's a great movie. I do not think that it affected me in any particular no. way growing up. However, when you are a little kid, there's that sequence in the movie where, you know, uh, Sarah Connor imagines the nuclear bomb going off mm -hmm. and she's like holding on to the fence and the... And literally, like, her entire body blows off and she's just a skeleton holding the fence. Yeah. Definitely didn't love that mm. when I was, like, mm. whatever age I was mm. in 1993, right? Didn't didn't love that. Mm. Uh, but I was too caught up with the action of that movie. So, like, sooner or later, I was like, yeah, robots fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll move past it. Um, that, was, that one left a big impression on me, though. Like, the first really, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be watching this movie, and I think that's why I liked it even more. It felt like I wasn't supposed to. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, But that was the first, like, adult movie. And then after that, I think it kind of opened the floodgates for, like, I liked any sort of action movie. Aliens. I guess maybe, like, Candyman. I think we watched Candyman. Candyman. We were, like, I don't know, like, seven or whatever, whenever that came out, because nobody wanted to ride our bikes home from whoever's house we were at a couple blocks away. I, uh, I really loved horror movies back then. I was surprised my parents were Same. so like my mom was pretty okay just letting me watch like Halloween three through six by myself. Mm -hmm. Like she never forced me to watch them with her. I don't think she no, that would be weird. Well, because like some parents seem like I'll watch it with you if you want to watch this movie. Like, yeah, no, Ra raised an independent child. No, I, I'm just saying. Hey, yeah, no, I got to. Well, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and on this day, 2014, uh, very sad. Uh, Robin Williams passed away at the age of 63 from mm -hmm. suicide. What's your when I say Robin Williams? What's the first like Robin Williams things that comes to your mind? Um, I think probably one of the few guys who's an actor who just him himself. Yeah, him himself and every, everything that he was in. You know what I mean? Like that undeniable like nature of just the the motor mouth and always on. Like he was larger than any of his roles. Yeah, I think Aladdin is the one I first go to. I don't know why. I know there's other better versions of him doing that, like Good Morning Vietnam and whatever, but. Something about that performance feels very much like the penultimate like version of what he mm. was, right? This manic, wild character who was so uncontainable, the only way you could do it was by animating him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you couldn't really... Yeah. You, you couldn't even contain his own mm -hmm. exuberance. Uh, really sad, I think, now in hindsight, because I think about... Super sad. You have to think about sad more... Then, too. What was the last thing he did? Trying to think, like, what the last film... He was in those Night at the Museum movies. Those were relatively recent. Yeah, I don't, really, I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like somewhere along the way, like, he would have come back around and done, like, a, a lot of, like, actors as they yeah, get older. Yeah, he was still working. I don't, I'm trying to think of the last thing I saw him in, though. Like, I can't remember I the... See, I mean, I don't watch almost anything. No, that's you true. know what I mean? There's so much stuff that goes by, but he was definitely... He was, like, working. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just trying to... I would have liked to see what, what late-era Robin Williams would have had in store, I guess, is what I'm I guess, mm. I'm getting at. Like, what mm. the older Robin Williams would have allowed himself to do for his career, or whatever. So, uh, All right, let's move on to... Uh, oh, I saw an article that made me really sad this week. Uh, did you know that the there, uh, nearly 50 billion cups of coffee are consumed every year on this planet? I believe that. I'm oh, sorry, 500 billion, I'm sorry. One, easily one of the most popular goods in the world. Uh, however, it is becoming harder to grow. It is a notoriously picky yeah. plant. 
requires very specific conditions We're to grow. coffee. Uh, a recent study estimates that by 2050, the amount of land that can sustain coffee mm-hmm. will have fallen by 50%. Guys, the global coffee crisis is here. I know mm-hmm. that we don't take any. Luckily, by then, you'll have so many other problems that coffee will seem like a ridiculous luxury <laughs> anyways. Uh, let's do some, I guess, some of the stuff is sort of lighter, I guess, the coffee crisis. Uh, so earlier this week, I saw an article. I just want to bring this up. I saw people talking about this on NBC this week because it is the, uh, you know, it's it's the anniversary of the Hiroshima bombings or earlier this week or last week. Uh, and it's an article that's making a way around how Godzilla, the character of Godzilla, was a metaphor for the bomb and how Hollywood whitewashed it. There's an NBC News article about this. Mm. And I'm stunned because I didn't know that people didn't know this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always assumed that this was the thing that people knew about Godzilla was that he's supposed to represent... No, nobody knew- knows that. Really? Nobody knows that. Man, I guess, again, no. I'm a loser. You're a Godzilla super fan. Yeah. I mean, Godzilla, that's like one of your favorite um, things. No, nobody knows that. So It seems to you like everybody knows that, but do you want to know why? It's because everybody who knows you knows that. It's a good point. That's it's what a good it is. point. Because that's so, why I know that. For folks who don't know, there's a million <laughs> things you can... I've shown my kids this in school every year. The original Godzilla movie that came out in 1954, which is called Gujira, um, mm. is very dark. It is very... It is not a... Like a silly mm. guy in a suit. Cameras are very poor. Yeah. Can't see a damn thing. Can't see a damn thing. Very dark. <laughs> it's very dark. Can't see anything. But it's not the Godzilla movie that you imagine, like, from the 70s, where Godzilla... Which whether you like it or not, when you think of Godzilla, you imagine Matthew Broderick. You do, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you imagine, like, whatever. This was a... This movie was a quiet, contemplative movie about mm. the horrors of nuclear war on the country. Like, it's a really... There's scenes of real, like, terror, and the idea that Godzilla himself, like, emits radiation, which is something we don't think about. Like, like he's a creature born of nuclear radiation, so even being near him makes Bad people news. sick and die, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the movie's just a much darker, more somber take on how Japan mm. responded to, you know, the, the, the bombing of Nagasaki mm. and Hiroshima. And again, this movie came out in 1954, less really than a decade like mm-hmm. one of the first major cultural touchstone pieces of content to come out of japan following world war ii right so i know that a lot again i one of my favorite characters in you know in in pop culture history mm-hmm. i'm surprised more people don't know this i guess because i knew this story well and it's also because you know like you talked about as you said it's the 50th it's the 60th anniversary 70th yeah. anniversary whatever it is 75th anniversary it's a long time ago this thing came out yeah like, this was old when you got onto it when you were a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? This came out a really long time ago. So it makes sense that a lot of people don't know this because Godzilla's relevance is just they keep trying to make a movie every couple of years. Ah, Big Lizard, I guess. Yeah, right? Yeah, so when Gojira came to America, the 1954 version of that movie came to America, they essentially refilmed the movie with American mm-hmm. scenes starring uh, famed American actor Raymond Burr. Sure. Um, and they inserted those scenes into the movie to essentially... Not one, not make America look like this is our fault, right? Mm-hmm. And number two, to sort of reframe the movie as like a journalist watching this, like you can't see, but I can't believe the horror of what I look out the window that I'm in a scene I'm clearly not at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a lot of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very true. Like this, the American version of this movie, even the very original first one, is whitewashed in a way that sort of moves aside all the sticky effects of nuclear fallout and nuclear mm. war on this country. Uh, and I'm glad this article was making its way around. I guess I was just surprised that more people were not aware of this. Mm. Uh, here's a weird article this week. Um, in France, they are banning a type of e-bike, the Zanmoof e-bike, because it is creating a quote-unquote 
climate of anxiety for the auto industry. <laughs> They're concerned that this e-bike is going to take is going to make the auto industry look bad, aka discredit the auto industry. Uh, so they are banning the French company uh, from advertising this product on French television. I don't know. Why does it discredit the automobile industry? Uh, it's cre- apparently How? the French advisory regulatory authority said the automobile sector uh, feels it's creating a climate of anxiety because this new bike is uh, creating an alternative to cars, and they don't like that. They don't well, want it. Well, fuck them. <laughs> it's fuck them too- if they don't like it. Yeah, I, know. I mean. <laughs> Uh, well, also this week, Simon Cowell uh, addressed an accident that he got while on an e-bike. Mm. So there's already bad press in Europe about the e-bikes because... They're upset that Simon Cowell broke his back? <laughs> well, they're they're mad about these safety concerns because the e-bike sales are apparently are soaring during the pandemic in Europe. Apparently there's a big hot thing in yeah. Europe right now. Yeah. Uh, the, auto, the automobile industry's mad. Simon Cowell's got hurt. He's taking over Europe. I'm telling you. Mm. Uh, I, all this really does is make me want to know more about these e-bikes. Yeah. <laughs> really Why is it not just a bike? Yeah, what makes it an it's e-bike? electric? Is that an yes. electric bike? I'm trying to take a look at what the deal is on it, but I don't want to, like, do read this. Read on the read air. Read on the air, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like you read the article before. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what exactly. It's a pretty sharp-looking bike. Like, it looks real dope in this yes. picture. The photograph we're looking at is a yeah. cool bike. Check out the Van Moof e-bike and why they and the France do want to know what this bike looks like. Yeah. Uh... You're here's, clinging to the edge of your seat of your steering wheel. You need more about the Z-Bike. Here's, Van Moof. Here's a story that makes me laugh. Uh, do you know who Lindsay Broad is? Uh, yeah. Well, because you saw the ad here in front of me. But yes, Lindsay Broad, for folks who don't know, is an actress who was in a, I guess, a couple episodes of The Office mm. playing a woman named Kathy who tried to uh, seduce Jim yes. away from Pam. Correct. Right. Apparently, according to an article this week, she still regularly gets abuse on social media from fans who are mad at her for trying to steal uh, Jim from Pam. Thank God social media continues to not be real life. Uh, I just want to toss this out here because I've seen a lot of this recently of like people getting mad about like video games and TV stuff. If you didn't write something... (laughs) If, you, if you're mad at a story... Yeah, of course. Like, you didn't write it. So, yeah. I, what it drives me nuts is when you see a lot of this, like... There's a big thing in, like, video games that's going on right now. Um, this video game that came out a couple months ago called The Last of Us 2. Sure. And one of the characters in the game, mm-hmm. the lead characters in the game, is a girl named Abby. Mm-hmm. And Abby is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And she has... She's, like, in good physical shape. Sure. And it has become a huge debate on the internet... About whether or not this woman could ever possibly have this physique in a nuclear apocalypse environment, right? Even though the game has sort of gone out of its way to like make it seem Dear plausible, God. and it's like, yo, have you ever played any video game? Everyone is an unrealistic, muscle-bound maniac carrying like armor and guns and like picking up tanks over there. You're really worried about this? Like, it's just we need to stop worrying about like fiction. But yeah. And media, like we need to. Just... Well, but furthermore, we need to stop worrying about what other people are worrying about. Like, if some dude's tweeting because he's upset about a video game character, I cannot, for the life of me, think of a reason why I would care at all about that. If somebody's mad online because they didn't like the writing of the TV show, I can't imagine for I reason why I'd be it. mad about that. If no. somebody's mad about booking, I can't imagine why I'd be mad about that. You know, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, wild, wild stuff, blown away. 
I can't believe I have to say this. The people you like in video games and television shows are actors. They're playing characters. The characters you like are not real. Mm. Okay? They're fake. They were mm. written that way. Just go with it. It's fine. Mm. Uh, and leave leave poor uh, poor Lindsay Broad alone. She's fine. Mm. She's a good actress. She's got other things to do. She doesn't need. She doesn't have time for this. Mm. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, earlier this week, this is a funny story. Uh, Blue Sox catcher Reese McGuire got caught. Uh, let's say solo pleasuring himself. What? By his, he got uh, doing the masturbation thing. He's, I, I know what yeah. I know what you he got mean caught. when you say self He got pleasure. caught. He got Who? caught. He's a he's a catcher for the Blue Jays. He got caught in public and he got busted like in public. A, I don't know if it was like in public in general or whatever it was. Uh, Regardless, he's not getting in trouble in that kind. He got caught tr- by his team. Whatever the story is. Sure. So he got trolled by the organist at the Braves Toronto Blue Jays game, uh-huh. uh, who played a song for him on the way out. What song do you think the organist played I mean, to troll the masturbator? Obviously. obviously yeah. That's right. Michael Jackson's Beat It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you watch that video, I mean, it's pretty funny. <laughs> don't don't take your dick out in public, folks, like I, this guy did. Yeah, I understand. He was in public. He should be arrested. He should be arrested, he's, right? He's in public. I feel like this story seems like there's missing yeah, parts of it. It's, All right, it's well. Weird. It's a weird story. It's a weird guy. Uh, all right. Let's do one bit from other blogs, and we'll do our Spotify picks, and we'll get out of here for the mm. week. Um, all right. Let's see here. Uh, I'm not a dad yet, but I've always wondered why, in the, how in the world I can teach my children to be good and kind and empathetic when the world constantly blares at them that they will be actively rewarded for being a jerk. What do I do? Uh, it's really tough. I mean, I see this in, like, high schools, right? Like, mm. it's... Like, culture in general sort of, like, glorifies, like, people who are jerks and, like, yes. and assholes and, like, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't have kids, so it's tough for me to say. I mean, you just set a good example, I think, is the case, right? Pe- kids tend to look up to adults and pay attention to things mm-hmm. that adults do. Whether yeah. it's teachers or parents or older brothers or whatever it is. So I would say lead by example, right? No, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not a parent. We're not. We're nowhere near qualified yeah. to any kind of parenting advice here on the show whatsoever. Um, but... I would say that nobody ever learned, uh, and so certainly your kid never learned. Your kids aren't learning from you by you telling them; they're learning by you showing them with stuff like this. So exactly, like you said all you can do is lead by example. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how many of my students have said nice things about me over the years in terms of like you showed me this and this and that. I'm like, how? You mean like I don't I don't remember ever like showing you any of these things like just just you know doing your thing. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean like you just being you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like that's cool, I guess. You have to walk the walk is, is, yeah. is what it comes down to. Yeah, I think that's probably and if you're the trying best. to teach if you're talking about instilling empathy, I know something that worked really well for me when we were kids is you know you're teaching kids how good it feels to to be helpful and to be mm-hmm. kind and to lift up others and to extend compassion and grace and empathy to others and you know, because that stuff feels great. You know, that's like the that's, that's some of the best stuff mm-hmm. in life. And you can, if you teach a kid to to learn that, see that, and value it early, they'll hold that with them, hopefully forever. Yeah, I think to the idea of like, if you know that, you know, if you can accept help, mm. and you know that what it feels like to accept help, it means you're more likely to offer help in the future too. I think, right? It's sort of like mm. a pay it forward type situation. Sure. Right? If people, 
if if I go out of my way for my kids at school, right, to help mm-hmm. them out with something or go the extra mile, those kids will see that, mm-hmm. and they're more likely to do that for somebody else or somebody mm-hmm. else. I don't think pay it forward works all the time, but I think again, you set a good example. Mm-hmm. You be the person that you want other people to see you as. That's all I can do. Yeah, that's about the best you can do. Uh, all right. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Spotify picks for this week. Kev, you have picks for this week. Uh, I've made all my picks for the playlist, but I'll just I'm gonna highlight like uh, a song. I think I'm gonna throw on there. Just I was thinking about it. I was revisiting. Um, I love the band Radiohead. Uh, revisiting the album King of Limbs. Yeah. So I'm gonna put uh, Little by Little on there, which is a song mm-hmm. off King of Limbs that I like a lot that I overlooked when it came mm-hmm. out, but I find yeah. myself coming back to to reopen the album um, every time I get in there. I was having a conversation about that album over the weekend at that wedding with somebody, so um, that's going to be one of my picks, and then I'll figure out the rest. Uh, I have mine on there already. I'll give you two. Uh, just in honor of Maiden Utica getting back to business this weekend, Steve mm-hmm. Winwood's Back in the High Life again, because mm. uh, it's such a banger. Uh, and then also the song um, Don't Lie by the mm. band uh, Dead to Me. Mm. Uh, and I'll say this, for all the folks out there who've had this, fallen into this trap, where you get into a band mm. with a significant other, and then you break up with that significant other. And then mm. you feel like you can't enjoy that band anymore because mm. that band reminds you of that significant other. I remember those days. You're allowed to take that back. I've been yeah. taking a lot of those bands back yeah. over take the years. Take all that stuff Take back. all them back. They're all fine. It's you're been allowed, a long time. You're making you're, it weird. You're take allowed it back. to like things. Take it back. Uh, and I think because I, for years, like didn't listen to this band because of it because it dredged up bad memories, mm. bro. Sure. I was like, damn, this, this album's good. Mm. <laughs> I was like, this shit bangs. This album's a banger. So, yeah. So I put a couple tracks... Like that on the mm. pick for this week. So six and six from each of us coming in hot for you on the Uticast playlist. Thanks to whatever representative from Baden Utica was here. Thanks to somebody. I think it is Katie. Katie responded saying she's coming in. Oh, so did she? I think she'll so be now here we're going to go back in that. time soon? We'll go back. She'll be, yeah, Katie will be here soon. So thanks to Katie for coming in this week. Uh, thanks to Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SFD. More follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. We're taking over the web. We're all over the place. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Kate machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. We will see you next week for another episode of the Uticast. Folks, be good to each other out there. Uh, That's all you can hope for.